The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gum, number 198, for Monday, April 13th, 2009. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gum. That's John Braun. I'm Dave Hamilton. And to my right is Pilot Pete. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hi, hey, Dave. Uh, uh, John? Uh, doing all right, actually. You know, I think, I don't know what I'm coming down with. My voice may sound a little rough here. I, I, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, spring is sprung or allergies or a cold or uh, a lot of times I get bronchitis. So I hope it's not that. Ooh. So, yeah, my voice sounds a little different. But you've uh, yeah, I hear, I hear taken little... that into consideration with your expert tuning of our audio setup. So. I hear a little high-end uh, raspiness on your voice, but uh, it's good. It gives you presence and sparkle. So uh, that's, that's excellent. We like and, presence uh, and sparkle. I forgot the terms that you crazy people use. Um, warmth? No. Warm, no, not warmth. No, no, it doesn't. It, 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 it's actually a little harsh, but that's, but that's good. Harsh. That's, that's when we use sparkle, the good kind of harsh, right? Sparkle. Uh, yeah, okay. so we've got, you know, we've got what I would consider a fairly normal show for us, and that we just have all kinds of feedback, questions, tips, comments from, mm. uh, from listeners. But, but I think we've got a couple of other things to go through first, and, and perhaps... Yeah. Uh, Perhaps we do. I, I don't know. You, you, you have something you want to do? I should to start. start so, so here's okay. a little little surprise segment here. I, I was just thinking about it, and I didn't, uh, it didn't come back to me after, until after the prep. I walked downstairs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I was going to talk about this thing. So this thing is, I'm talking about the mail I got today. Now, you know, some people like mail. Some people hate mail. Uh, I like mail when it's Can I cancel the to mail? Me. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about that, believe hmm. it or not. Hmm. Okay, we'll talk about that. Um, so anyway, so I got four pieces of thing. One is kind of Apple related and some aren't. But anyway, so I got a few things. So I got a postcard. You may have heard about this. Oh, um, well, Apple first generation iPod Nano class action settlement reminder. Because I believe I got one of those as a gift and I registered it. Always register your product, folks. And apparently that's why I'm getting this um, thing here. So apparently they didn't. Uh, I think the gist of it is they they didn't admit that it had the scratchies. But they decided to just throw a lot of money at the problem and say, well, there really wasn't a problem. I think that's kind of how it. You, a lot of these settle, right? Right. We admit no fault, but here's some, right, here's some compensation for what may be a problem. That's right. That's right. All right. So I got that postcard. So that's really nice. Okay. So that okay. was a good one. I'm going to fill it out. You know, it's like, I don't know what they throw at you, 25 bucks or so, some, you know, something. It, okay. It's better than nothing. So then the other piece I got here, and this is a mini rant. So it says on it, I, I know the return address because I got multiple pieces here. Official business enclosed. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see the word official, to me, that's like some kind of urgent business thing or something like that. But I already know who this is from, but I've gotten at least three others from them. And it's AT&T U-verse. And what happens, you open this up and the letter says, it's official. U-verse is acknowledged as the most popular blah, 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 blah. Uh, to me, that does not allow you to put the word official business on your mailing. That's just wrong. You're giving the whole direct mail industry a really bad name by pulling this sort of garbage. All right. Yeah. So you verse, you stink in this respect. I'm sorry. I, I just got to say that because it, it infuriates me because I, I don't know. I mean, I don't talk about it a lot, but I do work in the mailing industry and stuff like this just bugs the heck out of me. Now, a little sideline. So a tangent off a tangent, and then I'll come back. Um, there is a way to control your mail. And, and uh, so there's a group called the DMA, the Direct Marketing Association. You may have heard of them. Yeah. They have gotten a heck of a lot better. Um, they used to be 
not that great as far as blocking things you don't want. But what you can do now is if you go to www.dmachoice.org, you register with them. Uh, the level of granularity that they allow you to opt out of certain things, like they even have names of specific catalogs from specific companies, uh, credit card solicitations. Really? Uh, they give you a heck of a lot more options than I've seen them offer in the past. In the past, I think they offered it was very granular. It's like, okay, send me nothing from any of your member companies, which I don't think anybody wants because I think there's certain things that you do want. There's a lot of stuff you don't. So check it out. We'll link to it. But I, uh, So they're taking a step in the right direction, I think, because... Um, did you hear that you know. sound in the background there? That that clackety clack. I think the DMA Choice website brings up that clack because I went there. Uh, yes, it does. Okay, All right, uh, so. a, a little finger wag at them. Don't play sounds, man. Yeah, yeah, but allow me to enable it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like web pages. Like, oh I don't God. like web pages that make noises unless you explicitly enable it. And I've seen that in a lot of audio ads. You can tell. Yep. That somebody's talking and it says click here so you can hear this. So that's a finger wag at them. Don't do that, guys. Right. Yeah. We um, we at Backbeat Media won't take ads on the website no. that allow audio uh, unless they unless it's opt in audio where you have to click a yes. button to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. OK. And then third and fourth piece. Uh, bleh, third and fourth piece of mail. Yes. Third. I recognize it. It's a rebate check from one of my credit cards that gives a uh, cash award as a check. And then the fourth one is my 401k statement, which <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I, I don't even want to open it. So that's what I got. So some of it was topical. Some of it was a, a rant and a finger wag. So uh, there you go. Now, did, did you have something kind of unexpected, Dave? I, I actually had something unexpected. And now I have something even more unexpected, because when you mentioned postcards, I, I just couldn't help myself. The, the um there's a new app out for the iPhone and uh, Andrew Stone, who you, you've all heard me rave about how much. And, and I know we're not the iPhone geek, cab, though. We, I believe we have that domain reserved if we ever get there. Um, but but occasionally I like to talk about this stuff. So Andrew Stone uh, makes Twitter which is Twitter Pro, which is the, the Twitter client that I know and love uh, on the iPhone. And I uh, highly recommend you all check it out. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Really, the new version is blows away the, the first version. But uh, he uh, has also been working on an app called Postcards. And what it does, it's actually really cool. You go and take a picture with your phone, right? And then you uh, go in and, of course, it reads from your iPhone's address book, which if you're synced up with Mobile Me, is the same as your Mac address book. So it's got all your addresses in there. And you say, I want to send this picture as a postcard to this person. Type out the message, hit send. Uh, if you you can, it, it'll charge you two bucks to send the postcard. If you don't uh, set up an account, you can buy them in bulk and get them as low as I think like a dollar thirty or something. Are we are we talking a physical postcard? Physical postcard. And he sent me one of these, which was really smart, right? And the first two are free, okay. Um, but but he sent me one while he was testing it. And these things are fantastic. They're, it's uh, it, it's nice, like good. It, it's almost like glossy cardstock, but but really, you can tell it's going to last. It, it's great, and the picture looks good. The message looks good. Everything is great. Uh, and you know, Lisa saw the postcard come in the mail, and and she didn't know what it you know what it represented. And so I explained it to her, and she said, "Oh, well, that's a no brainer. I'm going to download the app." So I think the app. I'm going to check here. I've got it up in the store. The, yep, the app is free, of course. You know. And then it's two bucks for a postcard or uh, or, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps less. You, you can buy a package uh, and get them for, like I said, about a buck 30. But the postcards okay. are really nice. So, OK, uh, so because a, a postcard is either 27 cents or if it's large, 42 cents. So they're, okay. they're taking a chunk of that there. Right. 
Oh yeah, yeah. They're obviously paying the postage, but then they're making but, some money. Um, but but they're printing up the uh, the the picture because I think you can get postcards through iPhoto. I don't think they'll mail them for you. Mm-mm. I think they just print them up for you. Then you got to deal with the stamping right. or franking. But or the, you, you know, the great like. part is you're in the middle of Disney World. You know, you take a picture of the kids. You go pull up uh, grandma and granddad's address from the address book. Wish you were here. Boom, done. You're you do that while you're in line for the next ride. And the postcard arrives before you get you know, home. You don't even have to. You don't have to think about it. It's just done. It's actually pretty yep. cool. I, I can mm, totally cool. see us using it. Totally see us using it. So. Yeah, no, they offer the whole thing because I've yep. seen and you've probably seen. There are several companies that offer uh, custom stamps where you can get right. a right. S- same as you're talking, but it's just a stamp. But right. getting the whole whole shebang is uh, is really nice. And Pete mentioned I've got some stuff from these guys. Uh, amazing mail. Okay. Dot com. I've gotten actually I've gotten a lot of trade show correspondence when trade shows are coming up in the area. They'll use the service and I've looked and they have a nice web interface. Uh, you can lay out a graphic. You know, they have all different message areas, but it's a uh, pretty straightforward laying out a postcard. And, you know, they take care of the postage and all that. Uh, again, it's going to cost more than the, the, the face value of the postage. Of course. But they do all the design and, and they do some nice, uh, you know, nice printing. It looks very professional. So, uh Cool. We may have to look at more. Uh, this was an inadvertent, you know, introduction to mailing, but yep. you can do a lot of mailing-related tasks on your Mac as well as Windows and stuff. So we may have to have an episode that digs into that. Yep, you can. All right. So I got I got two other things to uh, to talk two. about. So you right. know, I, I I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I installed this great new router that I had bought, uh, you know, via Pete. Uh, uh, it's I fried it. Um, or I, I should what? say it fried. I, you know, it, um, can I blame, blame yourself? Can I blame Pete? Certainly not. Mine can, still works, Dave. Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, unless you plugged like power where power should not go. Well, I went and set the, um, the, the five gigahertz channel, right? It's the, the WRT 600 N from Linksys is the router. And I right. set the five gigahertz channel to a specific channel, the, and, uh, because I wanted it to sit in a different spot than my router at the house did. And so I set it up and it worked fine and computers connected and it was real fast. It, you know, I had it up at two thirty, and you know, all that good stuff. It was great. And, uh, and then the next day, about 12 hours later, the router just went offline. Well, uh-oh, hmm, this isn't good. So I unplugged it, let it sit for about 10 seconds or, you know, whatever. Plugged it back in, came up okay. Five minutes later, went down. Okay, we have a heat issue, you know. And mm-hmm. so I unplugged it, got it back up, you know, had it up long enough to change the channel back to what was normal. Actually, I think I turned off that radio. And then... Three hours later, with Linksys tech support, the router never really came up again, and uh, and they're sending me a new one. So that that's the good news, right? Um, was it me? Was it a defective radio in the router? We'll never know. But but the lesson is, when I get this new router, I'm going to install the latest version of the Linksys firmware on it. Then I'm going to look in the settings and see what the uh, allowed channels are for that five gigahertz channel. And never will I go outside that range, even if I happen to find firmware or put something on there that uh, that might allow me to uh, to do that. So, again, I don't know. It could have been a faulty router, could have been anything. But uh, but there's the lesson learned. So, yeah, yeah, possible. You don't know. 
You don't know what is it, but it's something definitely fried. Because here's you know with those Linksys routers, without going too much into it. Because next show we're definitely going to talk a little bit about routers because I'm doing something fun at my uh, at my dad's condo in Vermont. In fact, we might have to do the next show while I'm up there, John. We we need to talk about scheduling. Vermont? Do they have internet there? Ah, uh, they will as of this weekend, <laughs> and that's that's part of the story. That's right. Um, but uh, it, it, I, with those Linksys routers, when they start up. For about five seconds during the initial boot up process, they will always answer on uh, 192.168.1.1. And the reason for that is so that you can blast a new version of the firmware at it if the, yep. if the version you have on there is FUBAR. And I, in the course of three hours of troubleshooting, I only got it to answer on that uh, at that phase once, which tells me that something in there was deeply fried. So, all right. So. Uh, before we actually get on to what I've called is going to be a normal show and isn't, uh, we, we have to talk here because this is, as I said earlier, show number 198. That means in two weeks, if we stick to our schedule, which I believe we will from looking at the calendar, mm-hmm. we've got show number 200 coming. And, you know, that that's sort of a milestone. I mean, 198 is a milestone, frankly, but uh, but 200 has holds some significance. We, we if, change. If you count in base 10. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So, uh, you know, show number 100, uh, I know you, you and I had a blast doing number Sorry. 100 where we basically, flashback. yeah, our flashback show where we talked about how we met and all the computers we had. And, uh, and so in the pre-show tonight, we were sort of talking about, you know, what, what can we do special for show number 200? And we talked about, John, you tweeted about having some of our listeners do intros, which I think is great. So we should, you know, have an intro or more. Um, and, and then, and then, you know, the good thing is I record our, our pre-show, John. So I, I'm just going to play a little bit of this. Now, it's going to sound just like it does now, but but you have to know that this was recorded prior. So uh, so we will cut to the pre-show now. Couple. We can right. do the kids. We can right. do a couple of listener ones. Oh, dude, that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, what about a live show? There it is. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, that's it. Oh, that's we it. Do the show yeah. instead? Yeah. No, the live show. Well, we just we just do it live. Go, go live. Have people what? take phone call, put it, put the word out tonight that you're gonna do it, and the word out yeah. next week no. you're gonna do it. And that, that you'll take calls. And uh I can even scream. All right. Yeah. Well there we go. I might have to uh, do a little ed- creative <laughs> editing there. Got to keep that clean. The, the, the pre-show doesn't it always stay as clean as possible. Oh no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's R. <laughs> the pre-show, the pre-show is, is R definitely R. We never right. got the I don't want to. <laughs> no, we didn't get the I don't want to. That's right. Yeah. So why was Pete screaming about no wives? I, I don't know. <laughs> no wives. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we are back. Obviously, that was the the I cut the pre-show off there. Um, real time. We are back. Uh, events in, now occur in real time. In real time. But yeah, so I I think we should we should do the live show. We got to figure out the technology. Uh, I'm gonna <sighs> reach out to our listenership and and I think. Uh, I think there's some there's some easy ways to do this where we can let you in on what we're doing here live and then well Chuck doesn't Chuck calls. do this now Victor used to do it a lot Victor I, yeah. th- I thought Chuck did this too no yeah. Chuck doesn't do the live thing I don't think yeah. I don't think so he does the video thing though he does the video thing that's different from live well it's for Sean Sean does the live thing right Sean yeah, King, with Sean Sean King does the live thing that's true um he yeah actually that's true. He does he'll help us. Yeah. yeah, I think he'll help us. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, he'd happily help us. Set up a chat us. room and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Maybe we'll yeah, let yeah. him in on the on Yeah, that's what show. we need. We need to set up a chat room. I know I know Victor was using talk shoes. So some somehow we'll we'll figure that out and uh That's the one I saw. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll figure that out. So can I can I I will have to I'll have to look and see if I can find that uh we'll have to play that that John's little complaint about doing it live in the uh in the intro. Yeah, I don't because think there, so. Because there's a piece of it that that's just fantastic, but uh but the, the saucy language of our intro if I had surprise. Swearing, it would have been just fine. Saucy. <laughs> Sorry, folks. That's it right. was an accident. And before we get to the show, <laughs> yeah, uh, I ordered some RAM. You know what? Older RAM tends to get expensive quick. Because I think you and I found Dave. So I have a, a circa 2005 G5. Yep. Right. The yep. RAM for that, uh, I think I bought. A, a two gig set, which is two one gigs. This machine has eight RAM slots, and I think it's PC thirty two hundred. I think two two one gig chips cost about eighty bucks. Because I was looking at other places, and I think I typed in a different model that was a slightly more recent, and the chips were like twenty bucks each. I'm like, huh? So this is the punishment that I take for trying to buy RAM for my older machine. It starts getting well. It's supply and demand, right? You know, the other chips are still commonly used, but as your machine becomes three, four, five years old, you may not even be able to get the RAM. So, but that's the last upgrade I think I'm going to do to this machine. Before you kick it to the curb. Oh, I don't think I'll kick it to the curb. It'll be a, I mean, it's got, you know, it's got the, the one terabyte drive. I mean, this may be the, uh, the media server. All right. So anyways, All right. Yeah, that, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. The, the, so here's the thing though. Uh, I don't know what the thing is. Well, Snow Leopard won't run on it, so so it's going to be stuck at the. Is that last, what they uh, say? Is that what they? The, is that what they? I'm pretty sure Snow Leopard is going to yeah. be Intel only. Yeah, which doesn't I, surprise I me. That's right. I think that sounds right. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, Pete actually just pinged me and said we should do the first sponsor before we uh, get to the agenda since we're so far off. But it, our, our sponsor for this show is Bare Bones uh, with BB Edit, and we're going to talk a little bit about BB Edit now. But uh, but we also have a great question about about BB Edit later, and you know it's it's always so strange to me, John, to do questions that talk about apps from sponsors, especially when it you know just happens to hit when it's in the same show. But you know, I certainly don't want to penalize our sponsors for having apps that people want to talk about, so we just let it happen, and it's it's you know it's normal. But but uh, obviously, Barebones is. Uh, is a sponsor. We're going to talk about BB Edit oh. later, but we're going to talk about it. Now I think we too. maintain the highest ethical standards in this regard, Dave. We try. Yeah, we, we definitely try. Um, so BB Edit 9 has a lot of cool things, um, one of which we're going to talk about later. But uh, but some of the some of the uh, the features that it includes are the big one for me, non-modal find, which means that you've got uh, find and multi-file search windows that do not take over the whole UI. So you can put windows in front of them. You can put windows behind them. You can have a find that's just there. And uh, and the cool thing is when you're doing a multi-file search, uh, you have the ability to edit in the find window. And, and you can also edit in uh, folder windows. So if you open up a group of files, you can just navigate through and edit right there. You don't have to double-click and open them in their own window. Uh, so it really... BB Edit 9 has been out for a little while, but it really enhances the UI. And, of course, they've done some bug fixes and, and uh, point updates since then, which make it even better. One thing that's really cool, and I have to be honest, I've been using BB Edit for many years, and uh, and version 9 has been out since August. And 
Uh, we've been doing, you know, these ads since long before then. I use BB Edit every day. And one of the things I use it for most is opening it up, putting some text in there, doing some manipulation to the text or even just storing text in it and then coming out and getting it. And then when I go and quit from BB Edit, of course, it asks me, do you want to save this this file? And I say, no, I, I don't. It's just, you know, it's just scratch work. Well, BB Edit 9 has a scratch pad in it. And if you go into BB Edit 9, you go to the window menu and you choose uh, view scratch pad. It is exactly that. It's a document that is persistent among launches. But uh, but you don't have to save. You don't have to do anything. It's just that one document that you're constantly pumping text in and out of and uh, and using without ever saving. So so that's uh, that that's my new favorite feature in BB Edit 9. Now, BB Edit 9 is available at barebones.com. It's one hundred and twenty five bucks. If you're a registered owner of a previous version of BB Edit, you can upgrade for thirty bucks. And uh, and they've got educational pricing as well. So all available at barebones.com. And uh, and with that, John, I, I think it's time to go in and start talking about uh, last week. We talked about the dock. Do you remember that? Uh, all the way back to last week. What's that? By a duck. <laughs> no, we had duck races are later. That's right. Uh, so, Adam, so we asked for uh, well, we didn't ask for, but you folks sent in, uh, which is great comments and tips about uh, other ways to manage the doc and and we'll start with adam hey what's up guys uh this is adam calling in um i was listening to the uh podcast about uh the doc and i had a uh, tip that i haven't heard you guys mention yet uh it's using um this little program called uh auto stacks and it basically allows you to create um either uh aliases or actually it will move any any number of files that you can uh, drag say like five different applications that you really like that are like say utilities uh, you can drag all five of them you know select all five of them and drag them in, on top of the auto stacks uh, icon in the dock and it automatically creates a stack in the dock um, and you can set it to be like say aliases that's the way I do it um, and then it'll create a stack of those five applications in your doc. And it basically allows you to get doc um, uh, availability to a lot of applications without having to have every single application listed there on the doc. Uh, it, it basically puts, it puts uh, so, like lots of more applications just one more click away. Um, and I really like it. Uh, it's called Auto Stacks. If you just Google it, it's free, and um, you should just check it out. Um, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say at the end of these things. You can say whatever you want, Adam. We'll just cut you off because that's about what you're <laughs> about to say. That's what we do. That's how we roll. Well, that's what you do. You have your finger on the button, Dave. I try to. I, you know, the problem you is the I, don't, I don't always have my finger on the button. I get distracted. My uh, My ADD and my... My CDO OCD and no it's and CDO the... John because that's OCD in alphabetical order like it's supposed to be <laughs> another TLA. <laughs> All right, uh, which stands for three letter acronym. Move on. Right. I like that. That's good. Uh, okay, so we're moving on to Michael with Drag Thing. Michael writes. Uh, for a few years now, I've been using Drag Thing. Not only does it give you multiple docs with cool tabby things, but it allows you to put your trash icon on the desktop. I also use it to keep a list of running programs in the background on my desktop, too. Just wanted to send this along. So uh, enhancements to the doc and more with uh, with Drag Thing as well. And we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the show notes, too. 
the show's been exhausting so far. Does it feel like huh. that to you? Now John? you know another thing uh, that I think. Uh, now, uh, do you use spaces a lot, Dave? That's a. Uh, I'll take this tangent. Sure. Um, well, no, I don't know. I mean, I know I, I've seen people. I, I've never got into it for some reason. But um, does that give you multiple docks or no? No. Spaces okay, so gives you, you one single dock. Okay, um, but multiple desktops. It, multiple okay, desktops. I was just, I was just, yeah. Right. So, okay. Okay. This is I, a I good just, thing to talk about, though. I was just tossing around in my head. Gee, wouldn't that be nice if Spaces potentially could, and maybe there's a way to hack this, give you a different dock for each pane that yeah. is part of Spaces. Just thinking about it. Yeah, I like that idea. So, I, you know, it's funny. I used... I have multi- a multiple monitor set up here when I'm at the office. And when Leopard first came out, I started using Spaces and really liked it in general. But in specifics, it got very quirky, for lack of a better term, hmm. uh, dealing with the, the multiple displays. I mean, I, I finally got it to the point where it was OK, um, but, you know, it was it was it, it took a while to get it there. And so when I did my my uh, my rewipe of uh, my nuke and pave last year, uh, I never bothered to set it back up. However, when I travel and I'm just on the single 15 inch screen, man, the only way I live is with spaces. I have one space for mail, you know, and, and Safari, one space for my chat apps for, you know, Skype and, and iChat and one space for FileMaker. And the cool thing is, you know, when I click in the dock on, say, the FileMaker icon, boom, it, it brings me to that space. Nothing else is in the way. I can get what I want. I can leave all my FileMaker windows arranged the way I want. And I don't have to deal with all the interleaved Safari and mail and, and all those other windows. So in that sense, it's extremely handy when I travel. Um, so for laptop users that are truly using just the laptop, I, I think it's invaluable. Uh, and I highly recommend it. Nice. Because you know, at work, I use my portable, which is a 17-inch Dell. And I think I have a 30-inch LCD Dell. Okay. Which makes very nice LCDs. I actually have some friends who have Macs that have Dell LCDs. Because I think they pretty much... Use the same guts as most other people, Samsung or, or similar. Um, but at work, I have two because especially when you're developing, you need all the real estate you can get. And I kind of logically, you know, like I'll put development on one screen and I'll put, you know, Twitter and Yammer and email on another. So it's the one is for like deep thought and the other is for like potential distractions. And right. Helps me just get my mind organized. Yeah, that's good. So same, you know, probably as you pointed out with uh, spaces, you kind of lay it out in a, a way that, well, you know, just works for you. Yeah, there, there was, um, gosh, there's another app that I that I like to use, and I can't think of the name of it, that allowed you to, it focused you down on one program at a time and blacked out everything else. Um, it, but uh, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah, and as Pete warns, uh, be careful if you're ADD. <laughs> Don't have too many things in front of you that can distract you, but I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Especially when I develop, sometimes I'm compiling and and the things I'm compiling are pretty big. So what are you going to do while you're waiting for a compile? Twitter. You see, see, that's the big secret of software developers. Don't tell your bosses, but you know, it doesn't take that long. No, it does. (laughs) No, sometimes it takes a real, real long time. I've seen massive, huge projects, but you know, a short little prototype or something. Still, there are times when you're doing iterative development and, uh, yeah, yeah, you just can't do anything else. That's right. Or it's lunchtime. I find, and I've looked at this, they have utilities that show your Twitter usage. And most of mine is, you know, sprinkles throughout the day, but lunchtime is when I'm eating lunch. And, you know, a lot of times I'll 
uh, uh, eat at my desk. Um, so that's a, all right. That's a peak. Oddly, not in the early a.m. hours like you guys, especially doing your. Ho- oh well, no, the hockey thing isn't uh, <laughs> going to be for a while, right? No. With, oh, with he got the, a new. He got an upgrade, right? Well, with no, the, his arm still. His arm's still in the cast. My son broke his arm um, on the skate park, but uh, several weeks ago. But uh, yeah, he. Um, he he. The hockey season has ended anyway, but he missed the last two weeks of it because of uh, because of his arm. So. Yeah, but hopefully he'll be able to do soccer. He's already been given clearance to go on the playground at school, which was huge for him. So clearance, Clarence. That's right. <laughs> let's not even start. No, uh, let's Pete, not Pete start. Knows, knows this gig. Okay, that's right. Who's next? Christopher is next. Please save us, Christopher. Hey guys, it's Christopher with MacWorks in Minneapolis. I had a question for you. Uh, you were talking about text expander, and <clears throat> I I use BB Edit a lot. I write a lot of PHP and, and HTML and so on. And uh, I really would like to save some keyboard strokes in there. And, and I could swear that that sort of text expansion or snippets or something like that was a feature of BB Edit. Um, I can't seem to find it, though. So if you know a little bit about that, uh, I hope you would uh, share that with me. Uh, this is where you cut me off. And so we shall. So we're actually mentioning two show sponsors in, uh, in one question. Uh, so yes, text expander will do everything that you talk about, Christopher, but in BB edit, they have something that they call clippings. Now, uh, it, it's interesting with the way clippings work and, and I don't use them a whole lot, so I'm not a clippings expert, but, uh, but you can assign keystrokes to specific clippings right there inside of uh, BB edit. They can be language specific. So, uh, and BB edit auto senses, whether you're working in, you know, PHP or C or, or JavaScript or HTML. And so you could have different sets of clippings for different language sets. Uh, and, and, and there's quite a bit of flexibility there, but, but go ahead and look in the, uh, in the manual for clippings. And I believe it's at uh, page 238 in the current version. Uh, if my, my research earlier today is, uh, is still with me, but, uh, but that, that's where you want to check it out. And, and that will, that will do, Probably most of what you're looking for, and if it doesn't, combining text expander with uh, with it will will almost certainly give you far more than you ever wished for. Huh? Now you know there there's another type of clipping that we, we just uh, we'll just take a, a little mini mm. tangent here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no tangents allowed in this show. Not <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> and tangent. I want to remember what that is. No, we'll talk about that another time. Remember Soka Toa. Do you remember this from school? I, I do, but I don't. I remember the the acronym, but I don't remember what it means. It was your trig, trigonometric That's ratios. S O H C A H T O A. So of course, tangent is opposite over adjacent. Right. Anyways, uh, it was handy. Wow. So, um, but, propeller, but I noticed the propeller on the beanie is spinning fast, folks. Well, actually, I, I was talking to Jeff. Oscar had a heap of apples, but <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Oscar had a heap of apples. Uh, no, there's one Opposite for the resistor codes, but we're not going <laughs> to. Yeah. No, there's a lot of, lot of. Yeah. You went to school of, south of the Mason, Mason Dixon line. Actually, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vicksburg, Mississippi. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a little draw there. All right. Um, but I noticed that uh, t- uh, clippings, there's another type of clippings, which is a more general operating system thing. But uh, I, I was just messing around with this because I saw the word. And I'm like, well, let me try this. But so if you're in text edit or stickies or I think pretty much any Cocoa app and you highlight text and drag it to the desktop, it'll make something that looks like kind of a little document that you ripped off of a pad or something. I think there's actually little jaggies in it. 
And that's a text clipping, which I think is just something that you can, in general, bring into most Mac applications once you've brought it onto the desktop. But I noticed something very cool, Dave, which uh, it, it's kind of smart. Um, I was playing around with the show notes, and I'm like, you know, let me highlight a URL and drag it on the desktop. When I did, it didn't come up as a text clipping. When I did get info, it came, it came up. It was immediately obvious there was something different because it had a little at sign. And that's, a, I think, a web location document, W-E-B-L-O-C, which sometimes if you get one of those in email, it's probably because somebody dragged a URL to the desktop on, on the Mac and maybe on Windows and other operating systems. I think they, they, they embrace a similar concept. If you drag a URL on the desktop, it, it's like a, a bookmark. Right. And if you right. click on it, it launches the browser. Because uh, I've seen that sometimes. I got something, uh, especially I have some colleagues that, that are mainly Mac-based, and I'll get a web lock document on my Windows machine, and I'm like, uh, what's this? But usually I think it's just the URL embedded in, in the file. But, um, but I thought that was a kind of neat thing that was smart enough saying, hey, you know what I'm – what you just highlighted looks like a web address. So let me not make it a text clip, and let me make it something that I think may be useful to you. So, Wow, that's interesting. I like that. And there may be other types of data. I'm curious. I'll, I'll have to research this more, and there may be a show on this or something. But there's, there's something in the innards of OS X that's really smart when, when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that, I think that's true. Yeah, especially, especially when you're dealing with Cocoa. All right. Um, Leaf, right? Le- Leaf writes. Go. I have a question about Carbon Copy Cloner. John, you use Carbon Copy Cloner, right? On occasion. All right, good. Uh, I love this software and has saved my butt multiple times. However, I have I have it to set I have it set to run on a schedule, but I'm very skeptical that it isn't running. Is there a way to set up an alert or an email to tell me if the backup was successful or not? Uh, all right, John, I, I defer to you on this because I, I use um, uh, Super Duper and it does not alert me, but it will alert me if it didn't run. It'll leave itself up and running and, and I can view the log. So uh, go. I'll let you run with it from there. Well, you know, there's not a lot to run with. I, I actually um, have really not done any sort of notification. Um, they do have uh, where is it? Uh, let me find the choice here again. So a couple of things. So one, they have schedule, or I'm sorry, advanced settings. Um, you can run a shell script before a clone operation uh, launches or after it completes. So that's a little geeky. Oh. Okay. So you could definitely do that and have it at the very least just pop up right. an alert window. So you go to carbon copy cloner, yeah. advanced settings in the carbon copy cloner menu, and it has three choices here. Clone to this subfolder on the target volume. Run the shell script before the clone begins. Run the shell script when the clone finishes successfully. Uh, that could get you what you want, but then I think it, it, the, there was also a question, does it put this in the console? Because if you're going to find this sort of information about why an app either has done something properly or has had a problem, you got to find it in the console. Now, fortunately, if you go in Carbon Copy Cloner, the latest version, which I just upgraded to, in the window menu is CCC Log. And if you go to CCC Log, it'll then open the console, and under the Log Files category and the subcategory of slash library slash logs, it will display the CCC.log file. And there's actually also a CCC stats. Okay, there's nothing in there that I recognize. That may be from before. Now, it was kind of neat because what I saw in the uh, log file on one of my machines here, which uh, just was kind of an interesting message, because um, I haven't run Carbon Copy Cloner in a while. I only really do that when I'm you know, sending my machine off to Apple Care or something. Otherwise, I'm uh, time capsule still seems to be working okay. I haven't had any corruption. As far as you know. 
it has not been reported. I mean, to me, the, the problems begin if you cannot mount your time machine volume right. wirelessly, then you're in trouble. And, and we have several of our colleagues, other podcasting colleagues especially, run into this thing. Once the image can't mount, you're in serious trouble yep. or potentially serious trouble. Um, but one message in their log said, the system is going to sleep. There's nothing CCC can do to prevent it. Oh, there you go. Which I thought was just kind of a funny message. I mean, it's, it's very polite, you know. The, the system's going to sleep. And, and I would assume that if there's something going on and you put the system to sleep, like backing up, it's probably going to stop. Right. Unless you tell it to ignore sleep, which I don't think you can really do that. So right. it's politely saying something's happening that I cannot deal with. And, yeah. Uh, Moving on. All right. Uh, you know, we should share our contact info because we always like to do that. And we're, our agenda is blown to pieces here from our uh, from our intro. <laughs> yeah. Well, did we, we have one? Something. Yeah, of course we did. You know, we always well, do. I threw, I threw in a monkey wrench. You threw one in. Pete threw a couple in. And, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Pete threw a big one in. I got to go edit the show now. Um, yeah, but, but, I, you uh, know, that's not his fault. I should have I should have listened through enough. But anyway, uh, so if you want to contact us, feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the email address to use. We are now both trying to reply from that address. So if you yes. have a, a trail going with us, everyone sees it. That's the only address that goes to both John and I. So feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the address to use. Please, please, please. I, mean, I actually had one guy this week. Uh, and I think we've got his question perhaps even coming up. But, uh, you know, he, he sent me an email weeks ago and I put it through and it was, you know, one of those weeks where John was doing all the show prep. So, of course, John didn't see it. And uh, and and then he sent me another email this week. He's like, did you get my question? You didn't answer it. I'm like, Well, a we try, but we cannot answer every question that comes in. But we we do try. No, uh, you know, try. not necessarily on the show, but but perhaps via email. But uh, but, you know, it's it's almost certainly not going to happen if you send it to one of us personally. So feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Other ways of getting to us, John, could be perhaps. Now, if you want to call us to either try to sell us, uh, you know, uh, a warranty for our car, um, because I got a call about that. Did you? Good. That's nice. (laughs) I hate these guys. Um, But if you want to call either me or Dave or Pete or all of us, um, you can pick up the phone and dial 206-666-GEEK, which is 4335 And, and, you know, I think we could all say that in a chorus. In fact, when we do the live show in two weeks, we're all going to have to say that in a chorus. We're going to have to we're going to have to get this get this going. You meant may do. Uh, No, no, that's actually not. No, Victor. Victor actually said, yeah, help us. I already I already have a response from him, I think. Yeah, I I saw it. Yeah, I'm I'm tweeting, too. I'm I'm also OCD here. So um, that's right. What else? Uh, uh, So we did email, phone. um, Yeah, MackieGab.com. The website, smoke of signals. course. No. Smoke signal. Um, we're not supporting that yet, nor carrier pigeons. They're uh, too slow. Well, you know, if you want to do it, or, or old school, maybe you can mail us. Nah. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no or Skype. There. Or you could always, uh, there is a, uh, via Skype, Mackie Gab. You can always give that a spin. All right. I think that's I, pretty much it. If you know Pete, and you know you want to ask Pete to pass a question along to us if you see him. I see a lot of you guys running into each other in the New Hampshire area. It's kind of weird, Dave. I know. There's it's a good. couple of people yeah. that, that we regularly follow that you seem to run into. Yeah, I, it's good. Are they stalking you? Uh, perhaps. It works out all right most of the time. Hmm? Uh, all right. So last week we were talking about long-haul Wi-Fi, and we mentioned a couple of things, and Mark 
um, in New York had a couple of comments. Mark is a longtime ham oh, guy. Yeah. So I'm going to read through his comments. I might uh, editorialize a little bit here, but uh, for the most part, I'm just going to try and read through. Uh, hi, John and Dave. I'm a longtime listener and love your show. Also an avid ham uh, and have some com- comments on Wi-Fi as it relates to your last podcast. Number one, the Pringles can thing is largely a myth. QST, the Journal of Amateur Radio, ran some tests and found that a 2.4 gigahertz, which is partially shared between hams and Wi-Fi, that the potato chip can had a gain of zero dBD. That is exactly the same as a dipole. Now, that is really, really poor when you consider that you can build a dipole right onto an end connector with only two very short pieces of wire and save the 100 grams of fat. And he puts two article two articles in, and we're going to talk about dipoles in a minute, John, and and, and sort of well, translate. Or do we want to? Uh, All right, we can stop here and translate. I'll, this I'll stuff interject and, we'll and offer some translation. Point. Yeah, please. So, do. first thing, ham radio is amateur radio. These are people right. that are licensed. Uh, Dave and I, I think, have dabbled in that world. I think your dad actually uh, has a ticket. Um, but these are people that uh, have certain frequencies they can talk on. They'll help out in emergencies and stuff like that. But they're really just radio geeks. They like to communicate with each other on radio and and do it. I, I mean, there were so many cool parts of it. I mean, I mean, I've heard of people doing moon bounces. And uh, actually, back in my early days, messing with, messing with uh, CB and other things, you can talk a really long distance using four watts at night, depending on the frequency. So it's a lot of cool stuff. But so some things he mentioned here. Um, uh, let's see. Wi-Fi potato chip DB. No. Dipole. So he talks about a dipole antenna. And as, as the name implies, dipole, two poles. So this is the simplest antenna that you can... Um, develop for radio use. And we'll link to something that explains in greater detail what the heck a dipole is. But just, just to start there, because he mentioned it. Um, what he's saying is basically using a Pringle scan, I guess the thought is is that it can kind of focus the beam, but at least with a dipole antenna, or, or unless you do things properly, a Pringle scan is really not going to act as a very effective focuser, right. if you will. All right. So uh, point number two. If two guys were at line of sight apart with minimal trees in the way, two small yagis, and again, we'll have John offer clarification on this, two small yagis would do the job using standard routers and decent coax between the router and antenna. A mile should be child's play and 10 to 20 possible if the two guys are RF savvy, i.e. hams that run UW stuff. With exceptional locations, really good coax, dishes, and test equipment, 50 to 70 miles should be doable. John, a little translation here. Okay, so a Yagi, what is a Yagi, you ask? And I'm going to tell you, a Yagi is a directional antenna, whereas a dipole is not really directional. Um, A Yagi is a combination of a dipole with a directional element. And uh, to boil that down to something practical, Dave and I, uh, uh, we use something called the Wi-Fire, which we mentioned in the past and actually reviewed, and I think we had a pretty you know, positive experience with it. And I, I still bring it with me on the road just in case, but it, that is an example. When I research the type of antenna, they have a directional uh, antenna for Wi-Fi, Uh And it includes a Yagi. Actually, you, you can't really tell, but just the fact that it has a little arrow on it and it indicates that you should turn it in a ter- certain direction means that that will do a better job if it's pointed in the direction of where the uh, RF source is. Now, the other thing he mentions here, now he's saying, if the two guys are RF savvy, I think what he said here, hams that run UW, I think what he's saying there is microwave, which is technically where 2.4 gigahertz is. Right. So I think the U right. was that's micro. Right. That's so right. Sometimes ah. that's hard to see. Ah, thank you. Yes. OK, excellent. OK, because I guess he couldn't do the Greek, uh, the Greek micro characters. The, the, so UW. Mu. So that's what I get that's out right. of that. Yes. OK. Mu. Ah, OK. Yes. Very good. You remember your your Greek. Hey, man, between the two of us, you know, we, we, we got it all. 
Uh, all right. So number three, for someone setting up a Wi-Fi link in the neighborhood, I'd try using a very these very inexpensive LDPA antennas. And we'll put a link. Uh, I believe the website is called Kent Electronics. And uh, one client wanted his kid's computer on the network, but the computer was two floors up and the other end of the house from the router. I took a five foot piece of RG8X cable with a BNC connector on one end, found an adapter to the network card and hooked up the computer end. I then stripped and soldered the other end to the LDPA, LPDA, sorry, antenna. It was like I'd run an Ethernet cable as far as signal strength was concerned. The stick antenna that came with the card could just barely connect. Also, I found that 10 neighbors had Wi-Fi running, which was pretty good considering that the houses are all on one plus acre lots. Uh, and then he goes on to say, there is a lot of mystery and mumbo jumbo involved with antennas and RF. People who have not studied the topic from an electrical engineering perspective have likely not been exposed to the very basics of antenna theory and are then easily subjected to misinformation. This is even true in ham radio magazines where company, companies use marketing to sell junk, which is easily spotted as junk by the RF savvy person. All right. Very, very, very cool, Mark. Um, very. And in that last comment there looks, uh, well, knock out a few acronyms here and of course link to them. Um, LPDA, log periodic dipole antenna. All right. Whatever that is. It is. It's so I, I should point out, I read it correctly both times. He, he yeah. actually he actually confused it in the email. At one point, it's LDPA and then it's LPD at the end. So I just ah, wanted to. Uh, did I say it right? I think I said it right. You but did. I found the right I, match. I think so, you um, did. Yeah, I think you did. Uh, let's see. Uh, RG8X is a type of cable. BNC is a type of connector, which we've used. Um, I think that's it. But anyways, the rest of it, we'll link to it. And yeah. um so they, they, yeah, so he's right a lot of times because I, I remember back in my in when I did uh, and I think we called it eleven meter, which was Citizens Band Radio, which I actually fired mine up the other day. I had to go to Radio Shack to get a battery in my power mic that had died, and they got it for me. Actually, they sent me two of them, which was very nice. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, but and I think you you played around a, a oh, little yeah. bit with that stuff too, but. Maximum, yeah. There, there's there's a lot of physics involved, and if you, if you look at some of the things we're linked to, you've got a basic grounding in the physics. But a lot of times, you got to be careful of these guys. I'll agree is that you know, like they'll say this much gain and this much power and this and that. You, re you really got to be skeptical when people start tossing out numbers like that because it's, it's dependent on so many different things: the orientation, you know, environmental conditions, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Find your local ham radio guy and, uh, you know, buy well, a pizza it, or something or a six pack and say, hey, help me design a nice uh, Wi-Fi extender. And I think he'll help you. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the takeaway from this is that it is Wi-Fi is far more powerful or or can go far further than we all experience with the default antennas uh, in both our computers and the routers that we you know, the consumer grade routers that we buy. There, there are a lot of options. I think I mentioned yeah. last year. That my uncle uh, has has two uh, houses in Maine uh, that are sort of separated. I think they're a couple hundred yards apart. And he did. He bought a couple of dishes, had a line of sight going, aimed them up at each other. He and his brother are both engineers, you know, and so they, they had a blast one afternoon setting it up and tuning the things. And and now he's got a you know, he pays for and it, the, the whole goal was to to only have to pay for a cable modem at one of the houses. And of course, that's what he did. Um, so, you know, it, it's all possible, but, uh, but you've got to, you, you, you said there's a lot of physics involved. I think it's all physics, John. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. So anyway, that, that's, uh, that's where we are. I, I do want to get to, uh, Paolo's comment, uh, because yeah. it, it sort of ties into what we were, what we were talking about before. 
uh, changing changing subjects and going back oh, to a subject. Okay, good. He he says uh, in episode one ninety four, John asked the audience for feedback on recent hard drive repairs done through Apple Care, uh, and we actually had got a note from uh, an uh, Apple Genius as well that I'll I'll sort of uh, pepper in here. Uh, Paolo continues. Well, back in January t- 2009, I had the hard drive acting funny and making strange noises in my MacBook Pro. I took it in for service at the local Apple store here in Austin. They kept it for three days and sent it back to me with a fresh new hard drive with no trace of my data. Although they asked me if my documents were all backed up before service was initiated, they did not give me any options of copying my files when they found out my hard drive had to be replaced. They just swapped hmm. it with a new one. Thank goodness I live in a cl- in the cloud and all my documents were easily restored from mobile me. I had to reinstall all the apps, but that was not a big deal. Just thought to share my experience with you and and to follow this up, uh, the Apple genius that that uh, that wrote me earlier this week basically said the same thing from uh, from a different perspective. It was, you know, we always ask people if they're backed up and if not, we offer to back them up. But I think Apple will charge you. I think it's about 75 bucks to do a backup and restore for you. But uh, but, you know, there's a reason they ask this question and it's for it's exactly what Paolo describes. You know, if if the if the if the box is checked that you are backed up, they assume that they can do whatever they want to that drive and know that they might replace that drive, even if it's in there for a logic board repair or a keyboard repair or anything. You know, if they determine oftentimes when the machine goes into Apple Care. They, they do a diagnostic on everything because they don't want to see it coming back for something else. So if the, the hard drive exhibits any failure, they might just replace it. So this is yeah. a good PSA. The, the last time that I had my machine, which was my uh, 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 my G4, my, my uh, PowerBook G4, um, I remember that explicitly in the instructions because we did the whole airborne thing, the, the you know overnight hokey pokey right. six times, I think, or maybe seven then they gave me a new machine because they were just getting sick of me <laughs> and they couldn't fix the problem. It, it, it evolved from a hinge problem into a airport problem into a, it, it was terrible, but they explicitly said, look, you either back up your computer or, and I think what I did is I did a full backup yeah. using carbon copy cloner, which is ideal for these situations where you want everything on the drive. Right. Um, right. Right. And then I think I actually formatted the drive because I didn't want, in the unlikely event it got misplaced or that drive got recycled in the wrong fashion, um, I, I think I formatted it with a fresh copy of OS X just to prove, one, well, obviously the hinge problem is not a software problem, but just because I, I didn't want my data floating around. And uh, then I used the external drive, which, of course, if you have the same processor, you can use as a boot drive, for the most part, on a desktop machine. So that's how I got by, is that I had two machines at that point in time with the same architecture, so I did a full backup of my PowerBook onto an external drive, shipped it off to them for Apple Care, and then booted off that drive because I separate my usage a bit. So my portable, I do my email on, and my uh, desktop, I typically do my iTunes and pictures and stuff on. So uh, that, that worked out fine. Cool. So, uh, But them not offering an option? No, is no, no. Is that kind of what I, I heard, or no? Well, no, no, no. See, you, I heard a gotta, warning, but did they read- not... You got to read between the lines here because okay. what they said to Paolo and Paolo needed to read between the lines. They he said, although they asked me if my documents were all backed up before service was initiated. Right. They did not give me any options of copying my files when they found out my drive had to be replaced at that point in time. It, exactly. So they are. Okay. They asked so him. It ahead wasn't of time. in there. It wasn't in their process at that point to say, oh, now we'll now we'll ask again. 
That's right. No, they asked up front, are you backed up? He said, yes, that means you are free to wipe that drive as you see fit. And that's again, that's the PSA here is is make sure because this is a show full of acronyms. uh, Make sure, you know, you answer that question truthfully. Don't just, you know, carelessly say, oh, sure, it's backed up. Know that that might mean you get nothing back. Well, well, because a lot of these places are literally production lines. Oh, yeah, I guess the machine. Yeah, okay. Backup. No. Okay. Next format drive or throw drive away. Right. Because <laughs> right. I've seen this actually. They have checklists. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think the problem is, okay, they run the diagnostic software, I think. Okay. Probable issue is hard drive. Okay. Process is toss existing hard drive, put in new hard drive. Does it work? Yes. Okay. Ship it back. That's right. Yeah. If you watch. Whoops, was there data on that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. If you watch <laughs> when, when you do these uh, these repairs, you can. You can pull up your repair status online and it's updated in real time. So if do they still give uh, because I remember it was actually kind of fun to watch is that they gave a pretty good level of detail when I last had a machine done. This was a number of years ago, but it would be like, you know, being evaluated by, you know, engineer diagnosing parts on order. It it got not as detailed as they get, but, but you know, a a better level of detail than I would expect to give to a consumer. Yeah. And you can watch it online. You can watch it happen throughout the day. So, you know, if you send it in, it goes in overnight, you'll see in the morning machine received. If you keep checking throughout the day, you'll see exactly what you just said. Yeah. That whole process. And then boom, it's out the door that night. You know, if you send it in on a Tuesday, there's a good chance you're going to have your machine back by Thursday that, you know, the, the turnaround is if they've got if they have the parts to fix it, in most cases, you're going to have it back, you know, within two days. Yep. Uh, but again, it's that production line. It's OK. Did they yeah. check the box? Is it backed up? Yep, man. Now, right, toss the, the little drive. hint. And I don't know if you're experienced. Uh, when was the last time you did Apple Care? Probably about a year ago. OK, because my experience was uh, now you're probably near an Apple store, but my experience has been no. Oh, well, you're not. Well, then hour. my experience, a lot of times they'll encourage you to bring the machine to an Apple store. Yes. If you insist, I think, or if you, you gently insist, right. they will give you an overnight box. That's right. Yeah. They'd and rather I think it goes to going. Texas or goes the, to I'm not sure where. No, it goes to okay. Austin. It's still in Austin, yeah. at least for portables. I think right. the desktop machines, they go somewhere else. But right. um, so, yeah, De- I think desktop it, it, machines, you cannot ship i i tried i tried <laughs> even with if my, you save the box i i tried with my imac and they said we have no what we what have no facility about? for that you have to bring it in somewhere and so i brought it, it in it got are you serious it got shipped to you from apple in a nice box that was probably well they, they don't have a repair center to ship it to really uh, yeah no i had huh. to i brought it into uh to so mostly do in the apple stores well well in, the, in I, a service facility yeah, somewhere i brought it to mac edge in portsmouth and those guys are great I mean, I really like Mac Edge better, much better than the Apple store because they know me when I walk in and they know to believe mm-hmm. me when I, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> well, no, they know to believe me when I've troubleshot stuff. I mean, the, the conversation you know is is a fairly. No, it's not even a do you know who I, know. I am? It's it's just a. OK, yeah, we know this guy knows how to troubleshoot. So we're going to listen to what he says. It's great. It, it yeah. Really, well, if, it's if helpful. you well. Uh, part of it is the secret key handshake, which we really can't. No, we, no, no, we can't even if there was one. Uh, it would be, part of it would be the secret geek handshake. If, in fact, there was one uh, okay. and we, we cannot confirm or deny hey, the existence thereof. I'm already resigned to the fact that my tires are probably slashed right now. That's right. Uh, for, yeah. for just even mentioning the unmentionable. This so might be the on. last show John does with us, folks. <laughs> And I think at this where point, where are we? Is, I, is I'll this tell you exactly where we are. Yeah. 
We are at. Oh man, that just flew by. <laughs> yes. It was like a little Mac party. It yeah, sure it was. Yeah. yeah. So the, the goal <laughs> My is voice we got to make two number two hundred more fun than one ninety eight. Uh, it, it's always possible. So number two hundred, oh, yeah. give us an intro with the date or without the actually without the date. No, do it with the we date. Can, Commit us or to whatever. A date. We'll we'll clip it if we need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we have a lot of candidates uh, for. Uh, it's fine. So. We can do a whole show of intros. Mm, no. Oh. There should be some fun ones. There's some pretty creative. I'm sure there'll be there. some great ones. Well, we'll we'll certainly do at least one up front. All right. You know, you know what I want to say? Intro, and then we might have a bunch at the end. Some, some you know, runners up. Maybe some outros. Oh, um, some outros. I, I was going to say that. That's what I was going to say. Uh, Give yeah. us intro, intros minds, and John. outros. Great minds, John. Yeah. Like you got, you know what? I don't even have to be here for show 200. You guys can just do it. Maybe no, I can no, no, produce no. the show. I'll leave my mic off. I can do. Now, I can run all the knobs. I know I can who, do the fun uh, stuff. Um, you know who else is hitting 200? Who's that? No, her show. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Be careful when talking about a lady like that. Oh, man. Uh, Allison, right? Uh, the Silicast. Yeah. I think she's uh, coming up on 200, so that's, uh, that's really cool that we're both reaching this, uh, you know. Uh, milestone. Milestone. Yeah. 206666geek, which is 4335. Feedback at macgeekgab.com or macgeekgab on Skype. You can go to the iTunes store and write a review. We like that. I can hear things skipping a little bit. I don't know what's going on with the audio here. Who knows? I make no promises iPhoneAlley.com is where... Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Cashfly it provides all the bandwidth at Cashfly.com. iPhone, excuse me, iPhoneAlley.com is where Michael Johnston hangs out when he's not doing this. Podcast Marketplace, A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit 9 from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, and Notebook from Circus Ponies all through Backbeat Media Podcast Network, and I am going to queue up the outro before this thing falls apart on me. I captain, she's gonna. <laughs> yeah, she can't right. hold out much more. <laughs> so why did you even print it, Jeff? That's what I want. To know. <laughs> it's, it's more a guideline. I gotta make an effort to look like we're organized. Look, folks, we come here every week. We have a lot of fun, but one thing we make sure we never do is to get caught. Made up.